0: I'm Jennifer Glover And I'm Ingrid Kohler. Welcome to LJU Fortnightly. <laughs> we've got an exciting show for you this week. Trash talking, I think you've nominally named it. I'm good, <laughs> trash talking. <laughs> We're going to be talking all about the government's new waste strategy, as well as our regular roundup of daily news items. But first, we've got A little bit of an update on things that we've been doing. You've been in Lewisham doing some really
1: interesting stuff. Yeah, I was in Lewisham yesterday helping them out with their democracy review. Uh, It's a thing that was promoted by Lewisham's new mayor Damien Egan, who came in at May, and it's basically a look at how the council and the community work together to promote local democracy. And it was such a cool thing. Um, I... You know, look, we're having problems right now with democracy. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> it sometimes seems a little dysfunctional. And, you know, it's not just here, it's, you know, kind of around the world with the rise of populism. And we've talked about this before in terms of trust. But, you know, my theory is that we can't have state level and international level democracy unless we've got healthy and functioning local democracy where people are able to influence those things that really matter to them in the place where they live. So my hat's off definitely to Lewisham for taking a look at this. And so basically we did a workshop where we were kind of um, uh, using service design approaches to look at all the research that they had done and their experience um, to come up with some some ways ahead and some both some things that could be done relatively quickly and things that well, you know, need to a long time to work on because democracy is about relationships and relationship work is never done. Great.
0: Well, I look forward to hearing more from that when they write it up and implement some of those things. Um, I was also at an event that we were hosting with London Higher and the University of London, which was a selection of councillors in London and... Directors of estates in some of the London universities, and it was a really engaging discussion about how the sectors can work better together um, with a focus on regeneration projects and planning for housing um, and that kind of thing. And it was a really, really great opportunity for everyone there to share their plans, which I think was identified as one of the major problems. Um, not just between local government and higher education, but also across, you know, health trusts and things like that. Managing public sector assets for the benefit of the public sector rather than ending up in competition mm-hmm. when, you know, one asset goes up for sale, <laughs> it going somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. It could have been, you know, used by another organisation nearby. So there's a lot of discussion about how, how that can be facilitated. Um, and I think one of the key... One of the unique features about London is that its student population is so huge on a kind of global level. But similarly, its housing pressures are huge on a UK level. um, and, And local authorities are really struggling with that collaboration from the point of view that, yes, it can be in their political priorities to work with universities on their student accommodation and things like that but they've equally got these statutory duties to build more private housing Mm -hmm. or housing for residents of their area. So there's often this kind of tension between what they can do and what they want to do. Um, But the higher education people were making the point that students in private rented accommodation is a much worse use of space and accommodation than if they were in purpose-built halls. So there's a kind of... uh, Something to work on there.
1: I think this is this came up in um in a visit that we did uh, to Coventry Council actually, um, where they've done a lot of work, which also has a really high student population. So it's not just London, but has um, yeah sure, a high proportion. Sure. Um, but anywhere where you've got like a kind of uh, a bit of a density, urban density, and you've got you know basically more than one more than one probably you know university in your area you're gonna have this issue and they had all these people that needed housing inside coventry and they've got all these students who were in houses that had been like cut up into sits or whatever but actually those were perfect for families um and they did a lot of work in terms of developing uh halls and purpose-built student flats and things like that which was a much better as you said Brilliant. much better yeah. use of space and i'm sure there's other examples of local authorities um who've done work around that area if you have examples of that you know we'd love to hear about it and definitely definitely send that in we'll put it on our blog uh if you if you fancy coming on the podcast we'd be more than happy (laughs) to uh to have a chat with you about uh those kind of things yeah so
0: on to our main event this podcast which is talking about the waste strategy obviously this is a huge part of what local government does for their communities and maybe the most recognizable bit. And absolutely the most recognizable bit, you know, when when you ask what does your council do? Bins is a huge <laughs> one of the main answers I think. Um so with this in mind, the government released its new waste and resources strategy in December and this was part of its kind of broader 25-year vision for the environment which it launched last year. Um, and this new strategy is laying out some of the more concrete actions and targets that it's going to take to
1: improve the kind of circularity of our waste and resources, basically aiming towards that kind of zero waste situation, which, I you know, that's ambitious, <laughs> but you're like, but getting to the point where... In any kind of product, you're basically trying to get down to recycling or reusing absolutely as much of it as you possibly can, with very, very little going to landfill, which is, as you guys know, not cheap.
0: Yes. <laughs> and equally, recycling is no longer, well, it's never been that cheap, nope. but it's got much more difficult to deliver. Um, so this strategy bears that in mind and has some quite, I think, quite a positive messages and quite you know sensible targets and strategies for fulfilling this but obviously this has a huge impact upon how local authorities will be delivering their services going forward hopefully positive impacts Mm -hmm. actually and a lot of this will be overall reducing the quantity of waste that they'll need to deal with because hopefully this kind of throughout the packaging design of the product um consumer behavior it all contributes to reducing overall waste Um, but we spoke to dr peter maddox who is the director of rap which is the waste and resources action program which is a government funded body which deals with all this kind of stuff and it's been doing some really great work on this and had quite a big part to play in this new strategy so you spoke to him last week i did let's hear from him
1: Hi, it's Ingrid here and I'm talking to Peter Maddox. He's the director of the Waste and Resources Action Program, otherwise known as RAP. Hi, Peter. Hi there. Hi. Hey, can you tell me a little bit about what RAP is and, and what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. RAP is a, uh, a not-for-profit organization. and We've uh, been working for many years uh, with governments trying to help them to design their resources and waste strategies. We work with local authorities, with businesses and also with people to help them recycle more efficiently, use their resources more sustainably and generally make the uh, the use of resources in the economy more efficient.
1: That's really cool. I think I need you to come to my house and um, teach my son how to rinse out the milk carton before it goes in the recycle. Mm-hmm. Um, just before Christmas, um, mm-hmm. governments come out with a new thing, uh, the resources mm-hmm. and waste strategy and yeah. i've seen i've I've been reading around a little bit about this and it and it sounds quite intriguing, like so an emphasis mm-hmm. on value and carbon impact rather than just weight um and I've seen people describing it as really bold and ambitious, is it
2: mm-hmm. Yes, I think it really is a step change. Uh, I think that this is a real opportunity for the, uh, the country to really change how we manage resources and waste going forward. It's all about recognising that actually waste is a valuable resource that we can put back into the economy, that we can create jobs for local people, we can create infrastructure in the UK Uh, And we can reduce our reliance on those valuable resources that are being uh, used, uh, which are getting rarer and rarer across the world.
1: So what's really different about this approach? Um, How how is it different from what we've done before, uh, encouraging people to recycle and and reuse and stuff like that?
2: Yeah, it's it's a great question. I I think fundamentally what's really unique is that the government has really got back to the principle of the polluter pays. And I think what we, we see this is the recognition that, you know, businesses and manufacturers who place packaging on the market and there's a lot of packaging placed on the market in the UK, it's a real concern for citizens and local authorities. What the strategy is saying is that you will pay the full net cost of recycling disposing that very packaging waste. And that's really quite transformative for local authorities. So what it's saying is that they're recognizing that local authorities really got some very significant costs in providing those services for their residents. And what it's saying is that there's going to to be more money in the future to actually support local authorities in providing those services.
1: Does this tackle some of the issues around um, some of the packaging that we get that's just doesn't seem to be recyclable or is quite confusing or um, does that does it help by either encouraging companies to produce different kinds of packaging or by just helping out the council by making it more cost effective yeah. to get rid of it in other ways?
2: Yeah. Well, I think, I think where the strategy is going is that you're saying to, to businesses who are putting packaging on the market, if you put, Recyclable packaging on the market you know then things like uh, glass paper card or you know certain polymer uh, plastic materials, then that's okay uh, and you and it won't be penalized too much. but if you put packaging on the market, which really fundamentally is not currently recyclable, then you're going to be disincentivized. Uh, and I think that's going to be really encouraging for local authorities in the years ahead, so that more and more of the packaging on the market is going to be recycled. It's going to make it less confusing for, for residents, and it's going to make it easier for local authorities to provide those services.
1: Um, That sounds like really good news. Um, the, On the downside of this, the, some of the things that I've been reading are that people are really concerned that it's not – like, they like the ambition, but – they think it may not be coming soon enough and that the problem is much more urgent than the strategy recognises. What do you think about that?
2: I think that quite frankly the result strategy is it's basically committing to, to this ambition but we just need to have some really honest conversations about how we actually implement the strategy uh, and so it's really really important that local authorities um, really get engaged in those consultations and help really design the how we implement the strategy, certainly in that we 've been making it clear to governments that some of these this, uh, this implementation is going to take several years to come through and and what i 'm encouraged about is that you know the government have made it clear that um, they're providing transition support for local authorities if they have to make and change some of their services, uh, as has been has been mentioned. So I'm, I'm encouraged that the government does recognise that it's going to be a kind of fairly uncertain few years uh, and um, it's going to take a while for some of this stuff to actually uh, be kind of set in stone. So
1: does that mean cash for councils? Are councils going to get money to help make this transition?
2: Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, it's, the government made it very clear um, that they were ensure that local authorities are resourced not only to meet the, the net costs arising from the policy, but also uh, that they will be going to get uh, support on upfront uh, transition costs um, to, um, to allow for the changes that may be required following the policy, following the strategy.
1: So this sounds like there could be a real opportunity for councils to kind of realign the way that they deal with waste and encourage recycling and and capture the value of the waste that is uh, produced in their areas. Uh, what's the best way that councils could take advantage of this?
2: Well, I would encourage all local authorities to... Um, To keep engaged with the consultations and there are a few out there I would ask them to focus on the consistency in local authority recycling which is really about the minimum number of materials that local authorities should recycle I would ask them to look very carefully at the extended producer responsibility consultation which is all about the packaging and about businesses paying the full net costs Uh, and I would also get them to look at quite carefully at the uh food waste collections consultations if the three they need to focus on that they would be the three um i would also say by the way RAPS going to be really kind of engaging with your sector with the local authority sector in the next few weeks and uh we'll be doing some webinars and so on so so stay tuned for that there'll be lots of help and support
1: Oh, that's that sounds really good. Um. So, what what else can councils do to kind of align themselves to this vision? Like, what are some easy steps that? uh, Well, maybe not easy, but steps councils could take to to get in line with this vision and recycle more valuable stuff or more uh, or better.
2: Mm. So, I I I, well, I think the um, local authorities really need to just kind of start talking to. Um, to the other people in the sector, it's really important. The local authorities, you know, get engaged with with the businesses, get engaged with the waste sector. You know, sometimes it be, it's been a challenging time, but the reality is that local authorities um, have done a pretty brilliant job since, since 2000. You know, the recycling rates were in single figures, and now they're in their mid forties. Yes, the recycling rates have plateaued, but but it's really a real opportunity now to. To, to start to kick them off again and uh, increase the the quantity and quality of recycling and reality is that can only be done by by working in partnership with others, um, and actually that 's where reps uh, play such an important role
1: cool um, well thank you, Peter that's been really enlightening and actually really encouraging. Um, if councils want to know more about what you do or get in touch with you, how would they do that?
2: Well, the best thing to do right now is to go to our website, which is uk. There's loads of info on there. We have a particular site for local authorities. So please come find out um, all, all the fantastic information we've got.
1: Cool. Well, thanks very much, Peter. Thanks for talking to us and um, keep up the good work.
0: So I think that's a really positive message for local authorities. And as he says, definitely do get involved in the consultations that are going to be happening around this. Yeah, I
1: love the fact that he like picks out the ones that you want to prioritize um, because sometimes there's a raft of consultation. <laughs> and you're like, oh, gosh, I don't want to read this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he's like, you know, these are the ones you need to really be focusing on. But I, I mean, what I really love about this is actually there's – a much more distributed responsibility across the whole consumption cycle of like you know so it's not just it's not just councils that have the responsibility not just consumers but also producers as well and so we can all do better
0: yeah 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 for sure and I kind of mentioned earlier that there's the issue of recycled waste being harder to to process um we have a briefing on that from last year which is about how china uh put a ban on imported waste which was where we sent most of our recycling to they be don't want trash um and <laughs> yeah fair enough i think for well within their rights not well, all of our rubbish we seem to take a material. lot of their junk though <laughs> yeah <laughs> Before we choose to take it um so that's had a quite a large knock-on impact on the ability to meet those kind of you know stricter recycling targets and have as we've seen recycling rates have plateaued although they're much better than they were in the 90s mm. they have stalled because of kind of increasing that extra few percentage points is quite difficult uh, when you don't have the infrastructure in place and when you don't have these kind of um uniform recycling rules, rules yeah. across the country so I think this strategy is aiming to make that more consistent which is absolutely welcome and I think local authorities will need to feed into that conversation about what they think those rules should be yeah and particularly with the, the food waste collection I know yeah that's going to be a huge shift for Not areas which don't really have it yeah no.
1: me neither um so funny story about recycling Go my on. mom doesn't believe in it right right so <laughs> she's like so like (laughs) fairies she she thinks like she's like oh it all just goes to landfill anyway and I'm like you know I don't think that's actually true um I mean there are instances where it does that is true but it's not true overall and she has the hardest time with recycling and my partner is a bit of a well, you know, he likes recycling. He's yeah. very environmentally conscious. He's a scientist. And this is the first, like, Christmas extended period of time that they've been in the same space. And my mom was putting, like, you know, like, old soup in our recycling bin and <laughs> recycling in our rubbish. As if
0: Christmas isn't a tense enough time for families.
1: <laughs> so... Um, there was a lot, yeah, there was a lot of tension between my mom and my partner over the recycling oh, issue. Oh uh, And he's he's so good. He's so gentle in the way that he's like, oh, um, Polly, this is our recycling bin. And he said it every day. She was there.
0: <laughs> Following her around, kind of re-putting things in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. When I was younger, I went through a real kind of eco nut phase and I made my family replace basically all household items <laughs> with what I deemed to be more sustainable alternatives. And it cost my parents a fortune but they very sweetly went along with it. <laughs> like me throwing out all their razors and oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> replacing all their laundry liquid with like kind of eco alternatives which apparently don't didn't work at the time and yeah. <laughs> Um, So in terms of new ideas for waste disposal, Europe is an interesting place to look, as shown by one of our recent briefings. Which is looking at underground waste disposal.
1: I love it, it's so much more fun than it
0: sounds. Yeah. So you, you when you first thought about this, you thought, you know, it's just underground incineration, like kind of throwing. Or just it, well, burying, like, burying trash yeah. deeper. Yeah. I mean that would be one solution. But it's actually uh, quite a clever system of kind of waste chutes which go to different recycling bins underground. And like
1: vacuum and fan driven. Yeah.
0: And so you you just put your recycling and your waste into these different chutes and when the bin is full the council can come and be notified and come and pick it up um so it reduces you know on street rubbish and the fewer trips
1: of to collect um yeah uh stuff so reduced well you know reduced uh energy use but also reduced traffic congestion. Ju- yeah, production. yeah uh
0: reduced vermin on the streets which yeah. is always nice Um, and in general, it's, in the places that it's been tried, which I think is the Netherlands and a few other places, um, it's seen very good results in terms of recycling rates and people kind of using it quite well. And it's actually been adopted in a few local authorities in this country. Yeah,
1: smaller schemes, but still pretty cool. And I, I just love the idea of like, just walking with my rubbish and recycling to like some shoots and then just being sucked away from me. (laughs)
0: yes well it's it is quite difficult especially in inner city areas recycling in blocks can be very tricky mm-hmm. um because you have to maintain several different bins
1: or even in, of, in often cases there's, i mean i have know, a tiny 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 like tiny strip of front garden yeah
0: basically. there's nowhere for all these different kind of bins yeah and there's nowhere for the you know the lorries to come up to yeah and All these challenges, so this could be quite an interesting way of overcoming those.
1: I mean, obviously, probably better for new schemes than for old ones, but still pretty cool. Yeah, so check out that briefing
0: if you're an LGIE member, that's on the website. Um, that I think was published at the end of last year or the beginning of this year, quite recently anyway. Um, as we mentioned, definitely get involved in those consultations with DEFRA. Um, a lot of these things will have. Big impact, particularly the fly-tipping legislation they're proposing to clamp down on illegal waste operations, which I know is a massive challenge for councils, so that will hopefully be a really positive step, but just make sure that you're involved in that conversation um and yeah we're we're really positive about this i think yeah, it sounds like a really great kind of step in the right direction and
1: just um as uh, if you've listened to the podcast last week jonathan and i were or last time jonathan and i were bemoaning the fact that you know the government seems completely out to launch and right now but you know there are still a few things going on yeah. that they're doing and some of them are okay they're quietly making quite a
0: big impact if they will come come off so that's good Right, so our roundup of daily news stories. Carrying on the waste disposal and environment theme, the Woodland Trust has claimed that fly tipping can be partly attributed to a rise in council charges for collecting household items, which obviously as a council, that's you know the risk you take when you start charging for these things. Yeah. And obviously they're in quite tricky financial situations and um, it's not ideal. Um, but the charity said it's spent more than a million pounds over the past five years removing illegally dumped rubbish from its areas uh, which is not that great so hopefully this new waste strategy will (laughs) discourage some of this behavior and hopefully the uh whatever system of local government funding we end up with will (laughs) reduce the need
1: to charge for these things yeah i mean there's there's kind of some incentive to charge either either way right you know like so we're not saying that charging is necessarily a bad thing, but it will have impact, right? So, like all, all you know, everything we do has an impact on behavior one way or the other. And so, have we have we got the balance right? Yeah, and have we got the ability to change that balance when it
0: is necessary? Yeah. And I don't think we necessarily. Oh, not do right, right now. No, no. Um, there's another study that says that turning off streetlights can help wildlife, published in the journal Ecosphere. Uh, which recommends turning off streetlights in the middle of the night to save energy and helping out nocturnal wildlife, which I think get quite confused by the artificial lights. And this is gonna be good for wildlife and also for crops because a lot of them
1: are pollinating. By yeah, it's pollinating insects are being distracted and confused yes. by the uh by the by the night lights. Um so
0: I think I yeah. I mean, I love the animals, and I love the idea,
1: but walking
0: (laughs) in a dark street is terrifying.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely
0: is. I think,
1: I, that was my thought, too. Yeah. I was like, I I don't really care about the
0: lights. Maybe, like, a kind of automatic, you know, you walk past it and the light comes on, but mostly they're off.
1: But I don't know, maybe I'm going
0: to kind of... I think it depends on, like, where you
1: like where you live as well and what part of the country you live in and how urban and rural it is. Um, But I think, and there have been other studies which show that there is a link between lights and crime levels and safety. Yeah, definitely. So again, a balance, right? It's a balance. So this next story, I I, also in the environmental kind of uh, side of things, but the national trust has planted is leading a scheme that's planting thousands of trees And building hundreds of dams to protect more than three thousand homes and businesses in um, in Yorkshire of Hebden Bridge, Marsden. Um, So these were areas that were devastated by the Boxing Day floods of 2015. But they're using these natural materials rather than concrete to do that. Now, this is this is I I get so excited about flood defence, right? So. And also this kind of idea of channelized flow um, and the way that we've paved over everything. And actually that can have really devastating consequences. Yeah. You know, water will go where it wants to go. So adding more blockages to it. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, can can be not the most effective way of doing things if you have space to plant trees and to increase the kind of permeability of the, the path that water travels over, then you'll get less runoff yeah. and you'll have you'll be at less risk of urban flooding. LGIU, we, we support the Flood Forum. We run the Flood Forum for local government. And we've been doing a lot of work with councils where there's uh, looking at this urban flooding, this flash flooding thing, which is almost yeah. entirely related to to run off it's not in floodplains it's not in those kind of traditional i'm sure this is a floodplain initiative um just be you know because of the trees and the scale of the land but you know this the same like laws of physics apply (laughs) (laughs) um whether you're in an urban or rural area and so it's becoming an increasing problem because you know you've got the kind of um drainage and, and maintenance but just there's just more pavement now and yeah. as that yeah. happens there's less place for the water to go except up and into your house yes
0: <laughs> so if you want to get involved in or know more about the uh, local government flood forum do get in touch I believe there's another meeting of it coming up soon-ish but um, yes let us know if you want to know more check our website because yeah. we'll have it on there <laughs> Um, so Moving away from the environment stories, and we we promised at the start of this year that we weren't going to be as negative. So I'm going to touch on who this who very briefly. That? Who promised I that? I promised it potentially to myself. Uh. <laughs> um, but we've got our State of Local Government Finance Survey coming up in February. Well, so that's going to be all that. sunshine and unicorns. Until then, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to keep it positive. But just to say that. Um, The survey will be touching on some of these issues about impact of, you know, financial situation on service quality and particularly on children's services, which was flagged last year as a major concern for many councils. Um, And so this piece in Daily News says that the majority of councils are overspending on special needs, um, which was has been mentioned by a lot of people as the area which is really really causing concern not just special needs but children's services exactly and several councils are fighting legal challenges on this particular issue uh, including Bristol Surrey and Hackney so that's one to watch as a kind of creeping issue um and meanwhile it's affecting quite a lot of uh, children and families with special needs um
1: so yeah, there's all kinds of coming up soon. Uh, I think there's a lot of I guess hidden from the public rather than hidden from councils themselves financial risk in children's services, both in terms of direct provision and provision from other providers. Um, and it's also an area where like you can't afford to take the risk so you will you will pay and you will shore yeah. up uh, providers who are, starting to fail and there's no one on you know it's really hard to tell a parent that we don't have you know like we don't have the money for this for your kids. I mean you might have to say it but like many parents are just not going to take it's tough all over as an answer yeah exactly you're well within your rights
0: to say (laughs) my child needs more and that's what people are doing so Yeah, we'll have more on that in the finance survey, so check that out. Kind of early to mid-February, we'll have the results from that out. It should be. Yeah, as I said, sunshine and unicorns. (laughs) (laughs) So earlier in the week, there was um, a story from the Yorkshire Post, which was lamenting the fact that the transport strategy nationally is neglecting the North. But yesterday, there was the announcement that The Transport for the North plans to spend £70 billion over 30 years on an upgrade of transport infrastructure, uh, including high-speed rail services from London to Liverpool, um, which is going to be known as the Northern Powerhouse Rail. (laughs) (laughs) Chugga-chugga-chugga. And the creation of a new station in Bradford to accommodate a new Leeds to Manchester line. And there are quite big estimates of the boost to the region's economy of almost £100 billion pounds by 2020 and creating lots and lots of jobs. Now, I
1: my geography is not, like, top ta- notch. Don't worry, I have a geography degree. Okay, cool. <laughs> I feel safe. Um, but London really isn't in the north of England. Like, I know it goes to Liverpool, right? <laughs> e being cynical and saying there's saying...
2: actually
0: benefits benefit London.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe a little bit. I mean, I'm... Um, the the Leeds to Manchester line, that's cool, right? Yeah. But I I'm just anticipating what other people might say. I I live in London. I'm like all for it. <laughs> you're honestly, thinking, oh great! I can get to, to Liverpool, Liverpool even quickly. faster, yeah, or or get back home <laughs> even faster. Um, but it's not, yeah, yeah, yeah. But nice try,
0: <laughs> yeah. But you're not fooling, Ingrid. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so there might be more in their plans i don't know um but have a look at that if you were feeling left out as a northern council of transport for mm. no but i mean it's not it's not bad news yeah? right so <laughs> uh in health news uh one council in fact our friends at lewisham have banned advertising for snacks and junk food on all their billboards across the borough uh in a bid to improve the lifestyle of locals uh, which is backed by ten grand from the Department of Health. And if it's deemed a success, other councils will be encouraged to follow their lead. Um, this is particularly tackling the issue of obesity, particularly
1: in children in these deprived areas. Yeah, so there's a nice statement from uh, Deputy Mayor Chris Best, who um, I met yesterday, but... Yeah. Um, It's, you know, saying it's unacceptable that children from the most deprived areas are more than twice as likely to be obese than children in the least deprived areas. Yeah. Okay. So, like, I mean, yeah. I mean, I had a great time there yesterday, but (laughs) here's the thing. And I didn't notice the billboards or anything like that, um, one way or the other. But I was in not one of the pleasure parts of Lewisham. And I'm not actually picking on Lewisham because this is true in many, 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 many places. But... I had to get lunch there. There weren't a lot of healthy options mm. on offer um I mean it, it just that's just kind of the case and so like billboard or no billboard, you're kind of like the what's options. yeah yeah, you dictate what, your choices exactly and so and humans being human, you know you have to actively choose and find something a bit healthier, yeah with, and then. You're less likely to do it because it's more effort, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit more effort. Now, I happen to be on a little bit of a health kit. Now, I didn't make 100% healthy choices yesterday, but I did okay. <laughs> so it's not impossible <laughs> to do it. But, um, you know, it's just something, it's something to be aware of. It's not just about advertising, but the whole place. The, the whole place. place. The yeah. Whole place. Um, but, yeah, I don't think we need to be, like, bombarding school children with sugar ads. That's my personal view. <laughs> That's probably fair. <laughs> so I, I I you know, I'm not against this.
0: Yeah, idea so we'll there. see we'll see how that works out in Lewisham. We might be seeing similar policies rolled out across other areas which have similar problems. Um, in other news, the leader of Wolverhampton City Council, Roger Lawrence, said he plans to step down after fifteen years in the role. He was one of our councillor award winners last year. Yeah, he was. Yeah, and so... he like
1: had a whole big fan section as yeah, well. Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of amazing. Yeah,
0: so he's been he's been doing a lot of the stuff around the West Midlands Combined Authority, and he's done a lot of regeneration stuff in Wolverhampton. So he's done a good job, I think, in that.
1: Yeah, I think mean, um, you know we wish him the best of luck and his less fraught <laughs> <Yeah>. life <laughs> Probably a bit more relaxing life um, it's tough being a council yeah. leader we should yeah. I mean part of the reason we have those awards is to recognise um, the hard work that people do and the huge portion of their life that they commit Absolutely. to the community he has 15 years as leader that's no small feat is yeah. it yeah and he'll be he'll be doing he'll have been attending to that for most of his day the vast majority of his 24 hours yeah. of every single day in that 15 years so he needs a well-deserved break. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: and our final section is And Finally, uh, where we do a little bit more of a light-hearted look at local government news from the weeks. So I was completely baffled by this, but apparently a city in China is planning to fund a firework display in York so that they can broadcast it on their state television. And it took a little bit of digging, because on the surface of it, I just could not understand why they would want to fund that. But apparently, Chinese visitors make up the second highest visitor numbers to York, after Americans. Oh. So, there's a link there, and they're both also in the UN cultural cities. I mean, York's an amazing city. Oh yeah, absolutely. Not denying that. But I just it's like I didn't really understand why they wouldn't use the money to put on a firework display in their own city, so they could <laughs> see it in person rather than seeing it on the telly. But I don't know, you know, who it, knows? I mean, maybe yeah. I don't I don't know either. But it'll be absolutely fantastic if it happens. It but would be, look beautiful.
1: It'd be great. I mean, I'm sure it does, They must already have some fireworks display. It would be quite interesting. Yeah. But is um, I wonder what the draw is for Chinese. Pres- I guess it's to, like to a York. kind of
0: traditional looking, it's a very traditionally English looking town. Isn't yeah, it?
1: but sometimes there's the like, like a bit of art or yeah. television or movies that really yeah. draw people to, to it. No, um, I'm not sure. I don't know, but maybe there was some kind of like special Chinese television show that featured York.
0: Yeah, well if you know the answer to that or if you're in York and you <laughs> have some more insight then do tweet us at LGIU. Another interesting story is, so littering fines are obviously quite a, a widely used tool and some councils have decided to outsource these and a worker hired by one of these contractors said he was told to hide in bushes to catch residents dropping cigarettes so he could issue them fines, which has kind of rightly been accused of using aggressive tactics i think these contractors that sounds fairly aggressive like okay. i'd be quite shocked if someone jumped out of the bushes when i was walking down the street so
1: i i'm not thinking now that i got caught with something like this one time
0: <gasps> not too
1: far from here and this is well dodgy um so i won't name the character but you can probably figure it out they had um, They were issuing fines, but I had this little route that I took that was like one cigarette long, right? So, and then there was a bin, and I would put it out in the bin, and then I would go into the store to get my lunch. So, like, it was, I had it, it was all planned out. It was out. all planned out, right? But one day, the bin wasn't there. And I mean, I did drop the cigarette on the ground yeah. and put it out, and then they busted with me the fine. And I'm like, why is the bin not here?
2: Interesting.
1: Interesting. I'm sure they'd taken the bin away. <laughs> just to get people
0: that's crazy aggressive tactics all around yeah
1: so yeah anyway fun times so if you've been (laughs) i just think that'd be terrifying
2: like that's a heart
1: attack inducing you jumping out
0: of bushes it's
1: not necessarily jumping out of bushes it might be just like i mean you don't want to be like if you're trying to catch people and issue fines then if you're, like, standing there with, like, a high-vis vest, people aren't going to, like, people are going to be aware of it. But if you just kind of, like, hide around a corner or something like that, or be, like, a plain clothes uh, litter finer, <laughs> then, so, I mean, yeah, as long as they're not, like, yet, yeah. literally springing out at people.
0: <laughs> hey, you. It's quite a disincentive, to be fair. <laughs>
1: I'll think twice about littering if I know that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> or Well, the fines are pretty, you know, hefty, disincentive. Yeah. But anyway, not, um,
0: not smoking now,
1: not dropping well, back on the um,
0: street. Um, and the last story we have in this section is a scrapyard in Poole has had many complaints about it from local residents because it's piling vehicles. 50 feet high. Yeah. Behind their homes. Um, which sounds really quite scary, um, and apparently the business owner has insisted that it is a legal loophole, so he's not breaking any laws um, because there's, you know, you don't need require planning permission
1: because it's not a certain kind of structure, and it's not a material uh, change in the use yeah. of the land.
0: So, uh, pool council is unfortunately having to deal with this. That's uh, gotta suck. Hopefully. <laughs> They can find a way of preventing these cars
1: falling on all the residents. Well, it says they're on rocks, so maybe it's completely (laughs) safe. But it's bound to be like, unless you construe it as like a kind of dystopian piece of modern art, where it's kind of reinterpreting the use of materials in our modern landscape. Maybe, yeah, maybe that's what he's doing. Um, But it's probably mainly just unsightly. Yeah. Um, So
0: final points. We want to give a little plug to our L&D seminars. Uh, We run these all the time, really. Yeah. Twice a week, most of the time. We do in-house sessions on a range of topics from... Being more commercially aware, how to be more kind of politically sensitive as an officer, things around local government finance. Lots of member development stuff. yeah, Use of social media, all of these kind of core skills that as a councillor or an officer, you might need. Um, so do check out our events page or get in touch with us if you want to discuss an in house session because we're happy to come to you and yeah. put one on if you think and there's something
1: useful. Also last year we ran some service sort of design courses which were really popular. Yeah. Um, we're gonna try to run that again on um, the people that I had doing it like have like they're like we're busy and we're in Europe. So. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna put on some more of that. But my point being that if you have, like, an idea of something that you think would be really cool and relevant to councils, we're open to ideas as well. Yes, so definitely. So do some course development.
0: And a final plug for my own project, which is the State of Local Government Finance Survey. So if you are a leader, a chief exec, a cabinet member for finance, or a finance director, you will hopefully have received a survey link Asking you to complete it. Um, If you haven't done so already, please do um, as soon as you can because we're going to be closing it next week and then launching it early in February. So it's so important that we get everyone's feedback on this and get your councils' feedback. Because we have
1: years of tracking. Uh, Data. We've been doing this for a number of years. So it's really important that as many people as possible can do it. I mean, your response rate hasn't been bad or anything. No, no, no. we've got got loads of councils, but we
0: just want to make sure that everyone's had the opportunity to get their voice heard. And, you know, the more councils we have responding, the more clout it has when it goes to press and government. So it's in everyone's interest
1: to to fill it out. So be sure to pester your head of finance. Yes. (laughs) you're a cabinet member for finance, because I'm sure they're not yeah. doing anything. Yeah. But they, <laughs> seriously, the survey doesn't take too long. Yeah, it will take 10 minutes. Um, and it'll be really,
0: really helpful. Okay, well, I hope everyone has a lovely week. We'll be back in two weeks' time. Probably, I don't know what we'll be talking about. Everything's
1: changing so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we'll be talking about snow and Council's gritter efforts. Ooh, Ooh. more gritter
0: naming. That'd be fun. <laughs> Right. See you next time. Thanks for listening.